Welcome in to Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me today, Arif Dean, here to break up, break down all the latest. I mean, what, it's only been three, four days since our last podcast, Arif, and we already got a whole docket full of things to talk about. That's the draft, free agency, um, you know, we got a, a one guy signing a contract, so I'm excited to get into it already here. First off-season podcast, technically, and we got plenty to talk about. Yeah, the Stanley Cup final is in the rearview mirror, uh, which is crazy because, what, it's been in, in, uh, 10 days since the Avalanche raised the Stanley Cup. Like, 10 days ago right now, you and I were probably somewhere on the 100 level of Emily Arena eating our media meal, so uh, it kind of all flies by really quick where our one day away, people are going to be listening to this on Thursday. It's round one of the draft. Friday, rounds two to seven. Next week, Wednesday, a week from today, July 13, unrestricted free agency. So it's it's going to go quick. And just getting fat, too. I'm glad we're out of the uh, oh my play, God, the dude. playoffs because now we can eat some regular food. That's been part of me, part of probably my favorite part of the offseason so far is getting back to eating somewhat yeah. healthily. I just had a nice shrimp salad. It was fantastic. I've... <laughs> gone to the gym every day for seven days in a row, which I can't even say that I got seven workouts in in the month of June. In the between, playoffs, yeah. Between Edmonton and, and Tampa, those last two series especially were just such a grind. I think the Oilers series started May 31st. The Tampa series ended June 26th. So those those 26, 27 days were rough for uh, for the health, but we're we're looking good now. We're back and we're moving. Yeah. Um, let's start the podcast off on a sad note here. Of course, the passing of Brian Marchment. Um, we found out today a former Avalanche player. He played a season with Colorado and just a, a, a bruiser, right? He knew how to throw the body around and just was your classic old school um, hockey player in that sense. So sad to hear of his passing and got to acknowledge it here to start off the show. Yeah, Brian Marchment, defenseman that the Avalanche traded for at the deadline. I don't know why I, I vividly remember it, but I genuinely vividly remember it because that was the years where every single trade deadline, Pierre Lacroix was going out and trading for a defenseman. He went out for Ray Bork in 2000. 2001 was Rob Lake. 2002 was Darius Kasparitis. And then 2003 was Brian Marchment. He got him from the San Jose Sharks. It was a little bit of a bidding war, and he got him for a third and a fifth. And I remember when the Avalanche got that guy, I said – that's that dude from the from the Sharks that every time the Avalanche play him, he bullies people. He just he had such a tenacious uh, style of play. He had seasons where he had over 300 penalty minutes, but he was a he was a good defenseman. He was a good second pair, third pair defenseman, and just had a had a crazy character and a crazy on ice demeanor. And uh, you know, spent just that season with the Avalanche from the trade deadline on. I don't remember how many games. I I would, I would imagine in the 15 to 20 range. And then that first round series that the Az lost in 03, but um, passes away unexpectedly at the age of 53, uh, working with the San Jose Sharks organization for the last 10 to 15 years. So obviously condolences to Brian Marchment's family and friends and uh, team and teammates and, and everybody that knew him. Yeah, of course, in this world, we're kind of getting accustomed to terrible news, but, um, you know, when it affects the Avs family we got to definitely mention it here on the podcast so um, respects to Brian Marchman and his family like you said moving on we got to get to Andrew Cogliano signs his uh, contract staying in Colorado for another year 1.25 mil I guess what do you think of the uh, dollar amount there obviously the term is fine um, but the dollar amount and your take on Cogliano staying here in Colorado it's about what I thought he would get for both him and Darren Helm 
uh, when you win a Stanley Cup as a third, uh, sorry, as a fourth liner, and you have the impact that someone like Cagliano had, you can go out on the open market and get a couple million. You know, I wouldn't be surprised, even given his age, if he made it to you the the unrestricted free agent market. If somebody gave him a two-year, $4 million deal where he's making a couple million a year. But as goes the saying, when you win the Stanley Cup, you have the benefit of people wanting to sign and play for your team. And as goes that saying, as in literally Andrew Cogliano said that to us when he spoke to media after signing his contract. Um, so that's what he did. One year, 1.25. The Avalanche get a little bit of a bargain. I think I mentioned this last episode, but you know, the Lightning, we look at their fourth line that they had against the Avs and... Corey Perry making one million and Pierre Edward Belmar making one million and Patrick Maroon making eight hundred thousand. You don't get those kinds of pretty good role players at that number unless they want to play for a winner and, and that's what Cogliano wants. So uh the money is about right where I thought it would be, the one to one point three range. And uh, I'm glad he's back because that's somebody that I thought might retire and I'm excited for a full season of that guy because he's he's such a fun player and such a good personality and and he's effective at what he does. Yeah, hopefully he gets healthy here pretty quickly because it's going to be a quick yeah. turnaround. Um, not the biggest injury to worry about, I guess. Just he to, said, yeah, he said yesterday that finger. his finger was fine. He's he's out at a he's out at his lake house in D.C. His cabin in the Washington area with his family, and he said he said he was fine and he looked fine. And that's not the only thing he said, right? I think he had a lot of awesome comments. I mean, it was so obvious how quickly he was embraced within that dressing room, right? And obviously they embraced him back, or he embraced them right back. And it's rare, I think, that you find such an awesome piece. I think it's common that you hear him say, oh, I love this group of guys. It seems like a real tight-knit group. But with Cagliano, you really feel like he's being honest. And, I mean, we've heard that about this team for the last couple seasons. So to see him slide right in, get embraced in that close teammate bond that they have there um, in the avalanche. And, and, you know, just hearing some of the things he said was awesome. It wasn't surprising, but just still awesome to hear. Yeah, this is a guy that signed a one-year contract last summer with the San Jose Sharks for $1 million. So similar to the deal that Darren Helm got with the avalanche. And I actually asked him when he spoke about, you know, if he if he thought going into last year that that would be his last year and maybe winning the cup kind of, you know, reinvigorated him and – He said that, you know, you never really think about retirement when you're playing, but you kind of, it's always in the back of your mind, but you don't really think about it. You just kind of take it day by day, you know, season by season. But he did mention that, you know, not only did the Avalanche embrace him, but he loved being here. He said that, I believe the words he used was, I was excited to push again. He was talking about how he found another level of intensity and motivation with this team and, uh, he was excited to push again, and he was talking about how it's an easy team to play on. He called it uh, three of the more enjoyable months of hockey he's played in his career, and this is a guy that's been around for 15 years. So, um, you know, like you said, the team embraced him right away. The cup went from Gabriel Landeskog to Eric Johnson to number 11, Andrew Cogliano. So he was he was a big part of that locker room, and, and I know they're excited to have him back. Yeah, and I think you're spot on with the reinvigoration from the cup, right? Because, I mean... Looking at his years in Anaheim, he spent a lot of time in Anaheim. And Anaheim is just a place everybody loves to play in, right? It's a beautiful city, and, you know, aside from the traffic, uh, Anaheim's awesome. Then he goes to San Jose, and you you got to lose a lot of steam when you're on a team that's that bad that late in your career. So to jump into the avalanche and just find a new spark, maybe even a new love for the game, um, obviously it's, it's a perfect fit for him to stay here and, and maybe even wrap up his career here. 
Yeah, I mean, those kinds of veterans, when you get to that age, and it's similar to Pierre-Edward Belmar hitting the unrestricted free agent market last summer, you you kind of you don't want to get stuck in a spot where you're signing evergreen one-year contracts with bad teams. And there's only so many spots on good teams to go along. So I don't know if the Avalanche had interest in him last year. I don't know if he was thinking of this, but if you just look at the comparison of him and Darren Helm, and I'm talking 12 months ago, before Cogliano and Helm became teammates, these are both guys coming off of deals with their respective clubs. Cogliano was with the Dallas Stars, obviously, after playing with Anaheim for so long, making two or th- making three-plus million per year. Darren Helm's with the Red Wings on a long-term deal, making three-plus million per year. They both hit the UFA market. Darren Helm strikes gold with being able to sign for a cup contender. Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who was let go by a cup contender, strikes gold by signing with the two-time defending cup champs that made it three-time appearances in the Stanley Cup final. And then someone like Cogliano doesn't get a seat at the table, ends up signing with a team where, you know, the writing's on the wall. They're not going to make the playoffs. So it's great for him that he was able to get traded to the team that ended up winning the cup. It's great for him that he gets to re-sign. Really curious what happens with Darren Helm. We'll talk about that later on, but... Um, veterans at that age, there's only so many seats at the table on the good teams and, and Cogliano found a seat and he's not willing to give it up. And, and I, I respect him for that. Yeah. I mean, that was the biggest part of their success. It wasn't just Cogliano. It was the combination of Cogliano and Helm on that penalty kill. Right. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited to get into the free agency conversation here towards the end of the podcast, because Helm, I think is another piece that you, you want to have right there by Cogliano's side. So We'll see how that shakes out here shortly. Um, yeah, really quick on that. I, I think having a good fourth line, a likable fourth line, an effective fourth line is what makes a team good. And Pierre-Edouard Belmar, in his two years with the Avalanche, he was effective. And he played with a winger that's no longer there that you and I saw right before Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final in Matt Calvert. And Cogliano, you know, and not just because he wears number 11, but Cogliano does such a good job of, of you know, he has that likability that Co- that Calvert had, and he plays that role well. Calvert had a little bit of a more offensive spark with the Avs. But, you know, for the Avalanche to go from Belmar and Calvert to Cogliano and Helm on your fourth line, they struck gold. I mean, if you ask me, a dream fourth line in my brain is Cogliano, Helm, and Calvert, but obviously that would never happen, but... For the Avalanche to get both of those guys, and especially Cogliano at the deadline, who was like the last-minute piece, like the last-minute acquisition after the big deals for Lekkonen and and Manson and the notable trade for Sturm because of who was getting traded out for Nico Sturm, um, Cogliano was kind of the forgotten piece and was pretty damn effective. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how it all shakes out. I mean, uh, I don't know. Well, it's really hard to kind of tell how they feel about Darren Helm. I guess here we are getting into it when we were supposed to get into it towards the end. But, um, you know, because remember the comments from yeah. Bednar about, uh, you know, Darren Helm was the player that most elevated his game come playoff time. So it's like, well, well what, what balance do you want? Do you want the guy that maybe is a little underwhelming during the regular season but knows how to flip that switch? Or do you want to find somebody who can maybe stay the same consistency throughout the year? Uh, you know, I guess that's a philosophy and a, a, a coaching decision and, and a Joe Sackick decision, right? Yeah, and I mean, look, Darren Helm at that age, at that price point, um, for him to do what he did in the playoffs is worth every penny. And the reality is, you probably won't find another Darren Helm on the market for that low a number. So we'll see. We'll we'll break down all the UFAs and we'll I'll, I'll kind of give more comments on Darren Helm then. But I think I think the Avalanche are going to kind of 
put the ball in his court, similar to Cogliano, similar money, similar term. And if you want it, you want it. If not, we'll see. Cool, cool. So I guess, you know, with the schedule being announced already, we got to hurry up and get these hangovers out of here. The preseason's been announced. Development camp is right around the corner in, in just a couple weeks. I mean, before we uh, can really blink, the season's going to be starting here again. So with this schedule being announced, Arif, getting a chance to see all the matchups for the upcoming year, do any stand out to you? I mean, obviously there was something that um, you know, maybe raised that little light bulb in your head and turned it on. Um, anything that stood out schedule-wise? So it's funny because usually my favorite thing to do when I look at the schedule every year, which usually comes out around this time in early July, is I tend to look for key dates. And the key dates are usually a, co a combination of some of the ones that I'm going to go through right now, which home opener, Chicago Blackhawks, October 12th at Ball Arena. Um, playing the, the Jack Johnson game, the, the Jack Johnson game. So that's going to, that's going to be the home opener. That's going to be Jack Johnson's next goal in the NHL is going to be October 12th. If he resigns. Um, but that's a special night for two reasons. It's opening night. It's the home opener. And it's going to be the night the avalanche raised the banner at ball arena for their third Stanley cup championship. So that's going to be a big one. Uh, the other date that I always look at, especially now coming out of three COVID interrupted seasons is when the season finale is, and that's April 12th. So, Really good to see, or was it April 13? Uh, really great to see that the season is going to end at a reasonable time this year because last year we saw the last regular season game was May 1st. The last Avalanche regular season game was April 30th. So if you think about it, April 30th was the last day of the regular season. The Stanley Cup was awarded less than two months later on June 26th. So if the last day of the regular season is April 13 and the Avalanche are going to go all the way, They'll have the Stanley Cup before June 15, which was the day of game one of the Stanley Cup final this year. So it's just nice to see that we're getting back to a more normal schedule where you're not playing hockey well into June. And I still feel cheated. I think I said this on the podcast on De Sunday. I feel cheated out of my summer because it's July 6th right now and it feels like it sh it's June 6th. And I'm like, we're less than two months away from September. What the hell happened to my summer? And the long <laughs> playoff run happened. So um, and it is April 13. I just confirmed that. So, uh, those are the two big ones. There's also Finland. The Avalanche are playing the global series, November 4th and 5th against the blue jackets. Um, and then the other key dates that I usually look at are ones that you can't really look at right now. They got to be, to be determined because usually July 1st is free agency. You see players go elsewhere. You see trades happen. And then you're sitting there going, when's the first game against Nazem Kadri if he signs elsewhere? Or Darcy Kemper if he signs elsewhere? Or Josh Manson? Well, we don't know when those dates are yet. So give it a week to be determined. Once we see what happens with the UFA market, maybe the Avalanche make a big trade for a name where you're like, hmm, when is that person going to face his former team? So we'll see. But right now it's opening night. It's the season finale. And it's the two games in Finland against the Blue Jackets that is finally going to happen. To your first point, don't be so dramatic, Arif. It's only really a two-week difference. I mean, 14 days isn't that. Dude, it's, it was the Stanley Cup run that, that made the difference for you. The Avalanche weren't bounced early in the playoffs. You had to spend the an extra final, month. No, no, no. The, fi the, the Stanley Cup's usually awarded before June 15th. Right. Yeah. Two weeks. And the Avalanche... Yeah, but that's a big difference. That's a huge difference. Dude, that's an entire round. Like, 
the Stanley Cup playoffs begins in mid-April, not May 2nd or May 3rd or whatever it wins. It's a big difference, especially when you're, what, your summer is eight, nine weeks long and you've cut out two weeks from it. Like, it's a it's a big deal. All right, all right. Um, no, I like your second point there about it's, it's tough to really pinpoint some big games because you don't know where some guys are going. But at the same time, it's like, um, you know, a, a lot of times you look at the schedule and you're like, all right, who are the big dogs that the Avalanche are going to have to face? But in all reality, the Avs are the big dogs this year, right? Every team's going to be coming after yeah. the Avs. So every game, you're gonna, you should expect the best from uh, every opponent. So I feel like we're in for a pretty good season of, of some, you know, hardcore hockey. Yeah, speaking of which, February 9th and February 14th. February 9th, Avalanche at Tampa Bay at Amelie Arena. February 14th, Tampa Bay at Colorado at Ball Arena. Uh, the Avalanche have a game sandwich in between because they go from Amelie Arena to play the Florida Panthers on the road, and then they come home and to host the Tampa Bay Lightning. So um, two games, two out of three games against the Lightning in a five-day stretch, that should be fun. Yeah, that's interesting for sure. I, I also, a couple things that stood out to me from looking at it is in the first seven weeks of the schedule, not only do they have that trip to Finland and the back-to-backs with Columbus, but they have four back-to-backs in total. So out of the first seven weeks, four back-to-backs, that's going to be tough along with an international trip. Of course, they get nice accommodations, so it's not like uh, anyone's feeling sorry for them, but that's going to be exhausting. And then um, I'm looking at that first home game, or I guess just the first game in general against St. Louis, right? I think there's still some animosity we remember how St. Louis responded this regular season um, after, you know, I guess two playoffs ago, right, after getting swept and trying to fight Nazem Kadri every single game. Um, he was on the ice. and um, So I'm looking at that November 14th at home. That one's going to be fun. And then lastly, they have a, a really busy December. Luckily, a lot of those games are at home, one of those being the St. Louis game I just alluded to. But um, it, it's going to be busy. And I, I, yeah, I like every other night. I like the fact that it's at home because they might have a slow start to the season and having a lot of those games at home on such a busy part of your schedule right as the um, team's getting momentum and getting comfortable, you know, I think uh, it'll it'll be a good December for for Colorado. What I, what I like about December is there's no back to backs. They literally play on every single odd number day of the entire month except for the 25th because that's Christmas and they have that off. So they go one, three, five, seven, nine, eleven, all the way to 23. They have 25 off, and then they play the 27th, the 29th, and the 31st. They host the Toronto Maple Leafs on New Year's Eve. So um, that's going to be that rhythm month. That's going to be the month where the Avalanche get into a rhythm, like we saw this year in January, where you see them start to pick it up. Because October and November, kind of like this past season, and as usual, is kind of it's all over the map. It's a little there's no real consistency there. Like this year they play the 12th and the 13th and then they have three days off and then they have four and six nights and then they have two days off and then they have one game and two days off. So it's just kind of all over the place. And then the Finland thing kind of puts a damper in November again, uh, just like it did last season because they played the blue jackets two times in the first 10 days of November. They were the only two games because they thought that they were going to go to Finland last year. So same exact thing this year, November 1st and November 9th, the avalanche have two games and it's the back-to-backs against Columbus in Tempier, Finland, um, where Arturi Lekkinen, Mikko Rantanen, uh, Patrick Laine, if he doesn't get traded, Jarmo Kekalainen, and whoever else from the Finns from Columbus will be you know, able to play at home. Yeah, it's going to be a big draw, too, considering that it's the Stanley Cup champions now, yeah. right? Good call yeah. by the NHL. Um, but you know I'm going to have those refrigerator magnets ready to go uh, come regular season time, so be looking forward to those along with the Lord knows, schedule. Lord knows this year they won't. you won't have to throw them out halfway through the season because <laughs> of a COVID pause. That was such a bummer, but... <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, luckily that they they ended up being on pretty much the same schedule. It was only like a couple weeks. Again, don't be so dramatic, Eric. It was just a couple <laughs> weeks. Um, let's take a quick break here to talk about our friends over at Total Beverage. Everybody knows Total Beverage, both in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits. But did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. All right, Arif. Now let's get into, I guess, some of the upcoming stuff, right? Uh, we're, we got to preview the draft right around the corner. Starting what, what, today's Wednesday, so starting tomorrow. Um, I think it's a it's a unique draft. Obviously, we've been hearing about this draft class for a while, right? Because this is kind of the pandemic junior draft classes. They kind of are are were scouted differently for the last couple of years. So I think that's going to throw a caveat into this whole thing. But it just feels like it's harder to care as an Avalanche fan, right? There's no picks in the first two rounds. They're fresh off a Stanley Cup win. What are you really going to add to this team to make it better? But it's not about that. It's about the future. So I guess your thoughts on the uh, upcoming draft here this week. Yeah, so this is going to be an intriguing draft to watch, even though the Avalanche aren't picking, especially in the first round. It's going to be an intriguing draft because players are going to be scouted so differently where like the team picking at 25, for example, which freakishly enough, I think is a Maple Leafs, but the team picking at, let's say, 25 might end up getting a player that is in their top 10 for the entire draft class because everybody had to scout things differently. Like Shane Wright, the, the, the kid, you know, expected to go first overall but we'll see because now he's kind of in that one two range um you know he was he was granted exceptional status in junior hockey he played in in the juniors at the age of 15 but then lost an entire year because of covid in, in the 2020-21 range so you know a lot of these players literally lost an entire year of development at the most crucial development years of their of their lives and you know to make it to the nhl so it's kind of going to be like anything past the top three. In the top three, they're still kind of they're in limbo of who's up there. I think the top five is pretty much set in stone. And then six through 20, you look at mock drafts, they're all over the place. The guy selected sixth on one is 19th on the other. So, like, again, in 2009, when the Avalanche took Ryan O'Reilly 33rd overall, they couldn't wait to jump up and announce his name quick enough because that was someone they had in their top 10 for the entire draft, and he fell to 33. You're going to see that. That was rare back then. You're going to see that happen 10 or 15 times in the first round. You're going to see a team draft 27th overall and say, we got one of the players that we thought was a top five pick in this year's draft. So it's going to be very fascinating and intriguing from that sense. Um but like you said, the Avalanche don't have a pick for a while. The Avalanche's first pick is the last selection of the third round. It's 97th overall. And then they select the last selection of the fifth round, the last selection of the sixth, and the last selection of the seventh, which is the very last pick, 225th overall. I can't wait to see who that is. Mr. Irrelevant, right? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Irrelevant, unless you're Patrick Hornquist or I forget the other one. There was another one that had a long NHL career and a good NHL career as the last pick of a draft. Yeah, and we remember last year when uh, Chinakov was selected by Columbus and it threw um, Chinakov, the, yeah. the panelists for a whirlwind. Uh, we should expect to see that hopefully a couple more times this year, I'd assume. Yeah. Um, and, but with that, you know, with the tougher to scout, tougher to draft year, 
We're also seeing all this news about Russia, right, with Ivan Fedotov and maybe even Kirill Kaprasov and a couple other guys. So how do you feel that all the Russian nonsense going on affects the draft and, and NHL teams' desire to pick Russian players this year? It's we're we're kind of going backwards with the Russian thing where it's you're coming to the realization that players that want to come to the NHL from Russia is it's back to the Red Wings in the 90s the Russian five you're gonna have to defect Evgeny Malkin defected from Russia in 2007 Fedorov and uh, Konstantinov and Fatisov and and Kozlov and uh the last one is slipping my mind right now from the Red Wings, uh, Russian five. They all had to defect Fedorov. Well, I already said Fedorov. And then <laughs> starting before that was Alex um, McGillney had to defect as well. So it kind of seems like that's going to be the way it goes now. Um, Kaprizov, honestly, he's lucky he got out when he did a couple years ago, which granted right now there are some very strange reports going on about his health and safe. Well, not health, but his safety and where he is right now is kind of up in the air. Um, Ivan Fedotov, the kid that the Philadelphia Flyers signed to an entry-level deal last week, he was the Russians' goalie at the uh, Olympics this past year. And he's 25 years old. I believe he was undrafted. And he had a pretty good Olympics. And the Flyers were trying to capitalize on that, on a goalie that they feel is NHL-ready. And um, what it says to me, because the KHL, look, you you cannot take the KHL and separate it from politics in Russia. That league is a very political league and it kind of seems like they're 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 using they're setting an example with Fedotov. They're they're looking at 18, 19, 20-year-olds that want to get drafted in the NHL that want to come to North America and they're saying this is what we're doing to this guy. So, it is a little scary, a little a little concerning. Um, some of the GMs that have talked about it, I think Steve Eisman was asked about it and he said, we're going to take the same approach we always do with Russians, which is funny to hear that from him because the Red Wings always, uh, got their money's worth on their draft picks late in, in drafts on Russians like Datsuk and like a lot of those other guys that I listed, um, because they were able to trust that they can get these players over eventually. So it's going to be very Interesting to see what happens there. There's a couple Russians that are touted to go in the first round, and we'll see if they drop and how far. Um, but it's it's a scary time right there, right now in, in Russia, and, and I'm really, really intrigued by what happens with you know further Russians that want to come from the KHL and just the NHL-KHL relationship in general because that's kind of been dwindling over the last few years. Yeah, just a little extra little twist of anxiety in there for the teams, right? Because there's a lot of pressure and a lot of weight put on these drafts while – you know, it doesn't seem like it. it. It helps build your future. And, you know, there's always talk of emphasis on, on the importance of drafts. So, um, you know, I think that's just going to throw some teams for a whirlwind. If there's an available Russian player, do they take him? Are they going to be able to get him over here? What's the story? Um, yeah, so it's going to be something to keep an eye on, something fun. Um, with the topic of goaltending, Avs always like to take a swing at a goaltender. Do you see them taking a shot at another one. We saw Miska is probably on his way out um, from Colorado, but they did seem to really like Annan and Minor during the playoffs. So um, do you do you see them taking another stab at a, at a goaltender here? Look, the Avalanche have never been good and at developing goalies, but you should, especially in those lower draft picks, just, just take one every year and hope you eventually strike gold. That's kind of the way that I see it. A lot of the best goalies in the NHL were not first-round draft picks. They come in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round. Um, if you're the Avalanche, why not? That's kind of the way that I see it. So 
Um, maybe the last pick of the draft. Maybe that'll be a fun way to close out the draft. Take whatever goalies the highest ranking. But you know they have scouts. They have newer scouts in place over the last couple of years. They've let go of uh, the the gentleman. I forget his name that used to run the scouting department. That's now in Arizona, uh, Alan Heppel, and they've replaced him with a different uh, scouting staff. So. We'll see. The Avalanche have never been good at developing goalies. Uh, I still have my fingers crossed that Eustace Annanen becomes a star in this league, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see, of course. We shall see. There were some conversations with their current goalie this week, but we'll get into those in a second. We'll talk about sport, Superbook Sports first. Uh, another fantastic sports book out there. Th- Summer is here, and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Arif, now it's time to get into free agency. We told our listeners on the last podcast when we briefly touched on the free agents with Peter that we'd get more in-depth on it. So here we are getting a little bit more in-depth. As I mentioned before the read, Darcy Kemper, I want to start with that conversation. Sounds like his agent and Joe Sackick met today. They're going to have further conversations, um, whether those are tonight or tomorrow, who knows. But um, it, it seems like we can all bank on Darcy Kemper probably working something out with Colorado. At least that's the way I read into it. Yeah, I'd put it at like a 60-40 right now that he comes back. And the reason why I, I have it as a 40% of him not coming back is because it's going to be enticing to take whatever these other teams have to offer. So kind of similar to last year, there is a lot of goalies that a lot of teams that need a goalie. There are four goalies on the market that are worth a damn. And that's Darcy Kemper, Jack Campbell, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Billy Huso. So there is way more seats than there are people to sit in those seats. So similar to last year, you're going to see teams kind of scrambling to get their guy. You don't want to be the team left without a guy. So the Avalanche last year when Philip Grubauer last minute decided to go to Seattle. Really curious what Grubauer thinks about that at this point. Um, when he decided to make that move for $5.9 million per year, we all kind of balked at the fact that the Avalanche traded Connor Timmins a first and you know eventually a third because they won the Cup, so they gave up that second draft pick. For Darcy Kemper, we talked about how Joe Sackett got hosed, but the reality is you don't have Darcy Kemper. You don't have a goalie. So... It's going to be similar to that this year. So that's why I say 40% because there are going to be some teams kind of knocking on Darcy Kemper's door. Not that they can talk to him right now, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We know that there's a lot of tampering that happens at this time of year. But, um, you know, Darcy might get, what, four years, 20 million with the Avalanche if I had to just throw a random number at the wall. Um, What if the Edmonton Oilers want to give him six times six? And he's going to sit there and be like, I'm leaving $16 million on the table to re-sign with the team there where I won the cup. So um, I'd put it at about a 60-40. There are a few options that the Avalanche could take, a few different routes they could take if he walks, one of them being Marc-Andre Fleury, one of those other UFAs. Um, But I, I would say the most likely scenario, and I said the same thing about Grubauer last year, but the most likely scenario is Kemper returns to the Avs. Yeah, I I 
I don't know. It's tough because you're right. Somebody could de- easily offer him way more money than the Avalanche are willing to spend. That's exactly what happened last year. And in remembering what happened last year, I also remember there was a lot more. There were a lot more options available at free agency w- around the goalie market, right? And I don't think that's exactly the case this year. Aside from Mark Andre no, Fleury, I just I, I don't I don't I don't think there are many ways. Oh, to upgrade. oh 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 oh! Sorry, I thought you meant. That there wasn't, there isn't a lot of teams looking for a goalie. Never mind. I thought you meant from Kemper's point of view. Carry on. No, no, no. Right. There's not a lot of goalies available right now. I don't think you're yeah. going to get much better than than Kemper on the market. So I think you need yeah. to do everything you can to to keep him around. Again, I do like the idea of Mark Andre Fleury, while a lot of people maybe don't. Um, I don't know. I think he still has a lot to offer. So I'm either on the Kemper train. I'm saying more of an 80-20, or hit me with Mark Andre Fleury. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, look, the the reality isn't that I mean, the Avalanche it's not like the Avalanche are looking elsewhere because they want an upgrade on Darcy Kemper or something like that. Like the reality is a lot of these goalies available, they're lateral moves. Grubauer to Kemper was I mean, I I still believe Kemper's a better goalie than Grubauer, but by how much? Could the Avalanche have won the cup with Philip Grubauer in this exact same position? Probably. But um so there is no upgrading unless you're getting a Shesterkin or a Sorokin or a Vasilevsky or something like that. So uh, it's not like the Avalanche are going out looking for a different person. But like if Kemper – like you you can't let Kemper do what Grubauer tried to do last year, and that's hamstring your cap situation. And I'm not saying Kemper's doing that, but I'm just saying that if you're the Avalanche, there is a number that you have to walk away mm-hmm. from. Yep. But you have to have a contingency plan. Last year, at this time last year, well, whenever it was, a week before UFA market hit last year, we were always talking about Darcy Kemper. We were always talking about this is the guy in Arizona that the Avalanche should trade for. We were fawning over the what next he did best in option. 2020. Yep. Yeah, like that was always the guy that we were talking about. So Joe Sackick knew he had a contingency plan. This year, he probably does already, but... Look, the other goalies on the market, Vili Huso, somebody's going to give him stupid money because he's only 27. I don't even like that option. Jack Campbell, let's go back to our podcast way, way back on November 30th when I said that the Avalanche are going to let Kemper walk and sign Jack Campbell. Um, I still don't think that's going to happen because I feel like someone like Edmonton's going to give him more money. But there are a lot of teams looking for a goalie. And um, the only one of the four UFAs, well, Kemper is one of them, but the only one of the other three remaining UFAs that are worthy of being a starter in the NHL that I could see the Avalanche getting is what you said is Marc-Andre Fleury because that's a guy that's more likely to pick his destination, not based off of money, not based off of cashing out. This is a guy that's already made his money and is just looking for a good opportunity. Um, So that's why I could see him being the backup. But to be honest with you, I love Marc-Andre Fleury and he's a fun guy and he's a cool dude and he's been my favorite goalie in the NHL since 2005. But I'd still rather have Kemper at this point. So as long as the money makes sense, as long as the term makes sense, I don't think Kemper wants to fuck with Happy. If he does, he might end up like Philip Grubauer. And I guarantee you he's looking at the Grubauer thing and going, I don't want that to happen to me. Um, Granted, he's going to go to a team better than where Gruby went. I still don't understand Seattle signing him to that contract. But, um, yeah, I'd say it's more likely Kemper stays. But if he goes, Joe's going to have to work quickly before he ends up being the guy without a seat at the table. Yeah, I'm fine with it. And if you look back to last year, remember, we were all cutting him some slack and giving him the excuse that, oh, he's acclimating with this team. Well, now he's acclimated. You're going to get the right Darcy Kemper straight out of the home o- or the I guess the season opener, right? Um, instead of waiting for him to get used to being here, to being himself, which I think would be awesome. But on that same 
note, I think Marc-Andre Fleury could resurrect his game playing behind this defense, right? I think that's kind of what he's been missing the last couple of years is a really strong team around him. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm with the Kemper train, and there's a small part of me that, that is secretly rooting for Marc-Andre. I guess it's not so secret anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, any other thoughts you want to get out there on the goalies before we move on down the UFA list here? No, that's basically it. The other UFAs on the market are guys like Thomas Grice. So right. it's Kemper, it's Flurry, it's Campbell, it's kind of Billy Huso, or it's bust on the UFA market. And you got to look elsewhere through a trade. Or just give the reins to Pavel Francouz. Why not? He He's a good guy. Okay. Francouz and Annan, <laughs> just let's roll. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to some more free agents here that the Avalanche have to deal with. Andre Burakovsky is number one. I think we could put him on the top of the list just because get it out of the way early. Everybody in Avalanche Lane is pretty much in agreement that he's not returning. Yeah, he's priced himself out of the market here. 61 points, even though he had a very so-so season, in my opinion, in terms of consistency. Um, But hey, he's going to get paid somewhere. He earned his stripes. It's kind of funny because his last year with the Capitals was winning a Stanley Cup, and then he went on to make some money with the Avalanche. And now his last year with the Avalanche, he's winning a Stanley Cup, and he's going to go on and make some money elsewhere. So... Uh, shout out to Andrew Bur- Andre, sorry, Burakovsky <laughs> for the for the past three seasons. Uh, he was a delight and he was great to work with. Um, but I think he's gone. Yeah, indeed. One, I remember when the Avalanche first got him. How many Washington Capitals fans out there were heartbroken? And now I get it. Right, he's a he's a a fan favorite. He's a smiling guy and yeah. a, a teammate favorite too. So just a guy people like to see around and, and it shows glimpses of greatness. So I, I get, and, I get it. Him and Nazem Kadri really became good friends to the point where Kadri's young daughter refers to him as uncle Andre. Like he's they're there or uncle Berkey. I think it is. They're very close. And I kind of wonder if they, um, go, end up go somewhere together. Yeah, yeah. Go somewhere together. But, uh, yeah, Burakovsky's definitely gone. I'm glad he got another cup here. That brings us to Mr. Playoffs, Darren Helm. We touched on him a little bit earlier in the show. Let's uh, get the rest off our chest for for Mr. Helm. Uh, Darren Helm, the way that I see it is he returns or he retires and the ball's in his court. Because going back to the comments I made about Cogliano, I cannot see Helm signing anywhere else and starting fresh. Uh, He's got a good thing with the Avalanche. He knows that this team is still in a a window to win again. Um, and I think Joe Sackick knows that Helm still has what it takes and could be a good fourth liner for you again. So in my opinion, Darren Helm is going to be given an offer between the one to one and a quarter range, similar to Cogliano's contract. And it's probably 1.25 just because that's what Cog's got as well. Uh, sign this deal uh, if you want to keep playing. And if you don't want to keep playing, you're probably going to retire. That's what I see is going to happen with Darren Helm. You know, a lot of times we talk about players and say that the winning aspect of it is a, a big reason for them to return to Colorado, right? Is there any part of you that thinks, okay, there was a, a handful of teams that were this close to the Stanley Cup final as well. Are those threats at these potential free agents, right? Go, um, I guess, rip them out of Colorado, put a, insert them into your lineup and kind of carry on that, hey, show us how to win mentality thing. Well, again, I could see that with someone like Kemper. I can kind of see that more so with someone like Nachushkin, who's becoming a hot commodity now. With these veterans, and it goes back to the Cogliano thing. Cogliano could have went to one of these teams. Like You could see a team like the Rangers or a team like the Oilers be like, 
Cogliano, that's the recipe we need. Two years, four million. And Cogliano's like, fuck it. I'm going to put $2.75 million on the table and take one and a quarter with the Avalanche because it was fun and I like it here. So Darren Helm's in that same boat right now. He made his money with the Red Wings. He's been around long enough. Um, home is where your stuff is and his stuff is in Denver right now. And there's no reason to pack up and move to another city. So uh, that's kind of the way that I see it. And uh, I, I just don't think Helm is that good. And we have it on good information that the family likes it in Denver as well, right? We do, yeah. I, I think I've, yeah. I don't even know if I've shared I this on the podcast have. before. Yeah, Dar- Darren Helm's wife is a uh, one of my members at Rumble Boxing, and she's just an absolute delight. She's so wonderful. We got to talk with her a lot during the Stanley Cup final. So uh, they love it here. They love Denver. They live near the Cherry Creek area, and, you know, He's either going to retire and move back to Michigan for good or he's going to play another year with the Avalanche and, and chill it out with fellow veteran Andre, Andrew, Andrew Cogliano <laughs> on the fourth line. I got Andrew Burakovsky and Andre Cogliano now. Uh, but there's no Cherry Creek Mall in Detroit. You know that, and we know how much these players love <laughs> Cherry Creek Mall. Which brings us to Nazem Kadri, the, uh, I guess— Cherry Creekiest of the mall. <laughs> The ticking time bomb in terms of, I think, Avalanche fans' heartbreak as well. Yeah. Kadri's that kind of player where it's going to hurt to see him playing elsewhere. The last time an Avalanche forward left where when you watch him do his thing elsewhere, it hurt to watch was Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, it didn't hurt as much with a lot of other players. Just because of this type of the style he plays, when he plays against you, it's going to hurt to see. And um, all the power to Nas. He's going to deserve every penny that comes his way. And I respect the shit out of him, and I respect the shit out of everything he's done for the Avalanche and the way he bounced back this year and the way he shoved it in everybody's face right down to the very last moment of scoring a game-winning goal in Game 3 with a broken thumb and then telling everybody to kiss his ass after Game 4 and then printing out those too-many-men shirts and having him and his wife and family wear them at the parade. I respect the hell out of everything he does, and that respect will increase tenfold if he returns to the avalanche, because I know if Kadri returns to the avalanche, he is putting upwards of 15 to $20 million on the table to do so, which is why I don't think he's going to do it. He's earned the paycheck. I definitely think he's gone. It sucks, but he got his Stanley cup and I'm so happy for him to do that. Yeah. There's a sliver of hope. It's a very slight one that we're holding on to, but it gets, it gets smaller every day. Yeah. It's because he wants to be here. But he knows that it's it's hard with the money. Well, wherever he goes, you know, Arif's probably going to go right behind him. So I hope you enjoy whatever new city you go to cover <laughs> the NHL in. Hey, it's, it's not <laughs> like I lived in Toronto before this. I was in Detroit, which, funny enough, I, I think Detroit's one of the teams that are going to make a big push for Kadri. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, let's get to Val Nachushkin. Um, I think he's another guy that it really feels like it just – a couple things got to work out, and he'll be right here back in Colorado uh, come training camp, assuming that foot heals up in time. Yeah, he. Um, you know a lot of teams are going to want to throw a lot of money at him. Like the Toronto Maple Leafs, they look at someone like Val Nichushkin, they're like, that's the fucking guy we're missing. Um, but I think he stays, and I think Val's going to be kind of like Arturi Lekkinen. I think him and Lekkinen are both going to sign five- to seven-year deals. They're going to sign long-term deals to be here for a long time, and they, they deserve it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think I have much to add there. So that brings us to Nico Sturm. Um, you know, I think he was a subtle contribution 
contributionist? Contributor. 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 Fuck that. Contributor. <laughs> contributionist is what I said. But yeah, he was a subtle contributor, and I, you know, I think there was a lot of good things that he brought to the table. But I'm not sure there's a fit for him anymore. I think there's a fit, and the reason why I say that is because I don't think he did enough where other teams are going to be fawning over him. So why go sign a one-year, $800,000 prove-it deal somewhere else when you can do that with the Avalanche and be a depth guy here? So um, is he going to get the minutes here as an everyday player? Probably not. But as we've seen in years past, are the Avalanche going to be healthy for 82 games? No way. So he will play a lot. Curtis McDermott played 60-something games, I think, in the regular season this year and then didn't see a minute in the playoffs. So... Um, I don't think Nico Sturm's done enough where he's in that category like I'm talking about with Helm and these other guys where like other teams are going to be like, yes, let's throw some crazy weird money at a depth guy. Um, so I think he's going to come back on a one-year deal just to kind of get his feet wet a little bit, see if he can use this upcoming season to cash out next summer. Yeah, and you know, part of me likes to think that the Avalanche say, you know, we gave this guy up for Tyson Jost. We don't want that Tyson Joe's pick to give us nothing yeah, in the long I run. I don't think they give us so shit. So we want that 2016, or 17, which draft year was that? 16, 16, yeah, so McCarr was 17. Essentially, we don't want to walk away from that 2016 draft empty-handed. Yeah. We got to keep Sturm around. They don't care. Sturm was one half of the most important goal with Cagliano in that uh, game four come from behind overtime victory with Nazem Kadri's overtime winner. Uh, they don't give a shit about the Tyson Jost draft pick or anything of the like. They want a cup. <laughs> That's kind of the way that I see it. Let's get to the defensive group, starting with the other JJ in town, Jack Johnson. Uh, I thought he would retire, but he said after they won the Stanley Cup when he was asked about it, he said, I'm not stopping now. So similar to Darren Helm and Andrew Cogliano, I could see Joe Sackett going to him and saying, hey, would you like to return? I don't think he'll get one in a quarter million, but... There is no reason for Jack to go elsewhere. He's happy here. His buddy Eric Johnson's also here. Uh, I think Jack Johnson, if he doesn't retire and the Avalanche want him back, which I think they do, given the role he plays as a number seven or number eight defenseman, I think he'll resign around like let's say eight hundred fifty k. How messed up would it be if they gave him another PTO? <laughs> <laughs> Prove that you're worth it again, even though you were a top four defenseman in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, that brings us to Josh Manson, another guy that uh, is probably going to break the hearts. When he's on a different team next year, break the hearts of Avs fans, but um, it's he's gonna break the hearts of Avs Avs media, not fans, because <laughs> we all love ha talking to that guy. I remember when he scored the game-winning goal against the St. Louis Blues in Game One. I was so happy that he was the guy to score it, and I think I looked at you and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" That means we get to talk to Josh Manson. He's such a cool guy, the funnest, the best interview, the most well-spoken guy. But you knew when the Avalanche acquired him that he was going to be a trade rent, uh, trade deadline rental. That's exactly what he's going to be. And I love what Elliot Friedman said about him, or maybe it was Jeff Merrick, that you know he might return to Anaheim and be the first post-Ryan Getzloff era captain in Anaheim. So mm. I could see that being a thing, but um, I, I he's not coming back. I think he's going to get like a four-year, $18 million contract, make $4.5 somewhere, and he's earned it. Now, I know he's a professional hockey player and he's taken it very seriously and he does a good job, but part of me likes part of me thinks, you know, for the same reason you keep an alcoholic out of a liquor store or a bar, you keep Josh Manson away from the mountains cuz you don't want to tempt him with jumping back <laughs> up on that snowboard. So Send him back. Jumping send on, him yeah. back to the beach. Let him have a long. Man, I'm gonna career. miss interviewing. I can't wait for his his team to come back to town. I'm gonna go to Morning Skate and stay for the road team just to talk to Manson. Um, and then lastly, from the defensive guys, Ryan Murray. Where do you think he uh, slots in 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 the, in the lineup, if at all? 
I think he's gone. He was he signing a one year two million dollar contract last year. I think the Avalanche expected him to be a player all the way through, and he finally found his footing in February ish Mark Chish range. Um, and then got injured and didn't get in for a single playoff game. So I'm glad he got a Stanley Cup. Uh, he was a great player during the regular season at times, but the Avalanche are going to move on, and, and, and I think he's going to go elsewhere. Indeed. I don't, I don't know if it's going to break many hearts, that one, but that's the one we're finishing uh, on. <laughs> End yeah. with a bang. But with that, um, you know, there's other UFAs out there from other teams that are going to be on the market, and I know you've been itching to get to this portion of the show, so... Let's get to some other names or, you know, just maybe theories that are being floated out there um, rumor-wise that the Avalanche might be able to scoop up from the free agent market. Yeah, so starting with bigger names, you know, if Kemper walks, I can see Flurry being the guy they target. If Kadri walks, I can see Andrew Kopp being the guy they target because you and I talked about him a lot in February and March as a guy that the Az were looking at at the deadline. Ultimately going with Lekkonen, and I get why, Lekkonen being an RFA and a guy that ended up scoring four game-winning goals for you, including the cup winner, so good idea. Um, Andrew Kopp, somebody that I can see them targeting if Kadri walks. Vincent Trocek's another guy that I can see them targeting. But I have a dark horse candidate because this player, he's going to be a little bit older. He's going to be 36 next season. He's looking for a three- to four-year deal, and his team won't give it to him right now. And a three- to four-year deal is pretty much what the Avalanche could offer Kadri, but we know someone else is going to offer him. And he's my dark horse candidate to be the second line center in Denver for the next three years. Do you have a guess, even a shot in the dark of who this is? Kind of sounds like you're describing Gino Malkin. I sure as hell am. I I don't know what it is, but there is there is this weird alternate universe, and it sounds funny, where, and I know one of them is more likely to happen than the other, but there is this weird alternate universe where both Kadri and Kemper walk, and they're replaced by Evgeny Malkin and Marc-Andre Fleury. <laughs> like, it's a very weird universe. But To be joined by Sidney Crosby in a few years. To be joined by Sidney Crosby in a few years, who there was a video of him partying with the Avalanche. So uh, Nathan McKinnon got his wish. Uh, Sidney Crosby drunk at his Stanley Cup party. So uh, <laughs> there is um, just <sighs> Malkin is still a player. He played 40 games last year, 22 goals, 20 assists. Uh, his issue is staying healthy, but so is everybody else on the Avalanche. So he'll fit right in. But just the idea of a second line, because we know Bednar likes to juggle it up, but the, the idea of a second line of Landeskog, Malkin, and Nichushkin, oof, like that is a line to watch. And that gives you three years for Alex Newhook to grow into the player you want him to be. And you're not making a big commitment like you would probably have to with someone like Kopp or someone like Trocek or Kadri if he comes back. A uh, couple years, and you move on to the next guy. It might slow you down a little bit, but I think that's a sacrifice I'd be willing to make for a guy like Malkin for sure. He's he's a fast he's he's a fast player. He is obviously at the last legs of his career. Um, but again, Joe Pavelski when he signed his three year deal with the Dallas Stars, everybody's like, "What the hell are the Stars doing?" Well, he got better as those three years went, and he's on under contract for now a fourth year. So. I don't know if that's what you're going to get from Malkin because he's got a lot of miles on the, on his body, but it's it's a risk worth taking because of the name. I like it. I like it. So, yeah, so those are the bigger names. Other than that, there are some UFA bargain guys that I think the Avalanche could look at. Um, one of them is if you want to replace uh, Andre Burakovsky, and I almost said Andrew again. <laughs> Andre Burakovsky is having that depth guy. Uh, the name that sticks out to me is Mason Marchment. 
who we saw kind of burst onto the scene with the Florida Panthers this year. He's 27 years old. He was an undrafted forward. Uh, his birthday is the day before mine, which is pretty cool. But he had 18 goals and 29 assists, 47 points in 54 games to the Panthers this year. So it kind of came out of nowhere. This is a player that you can probably get in the two and a half to three and a half million dollar range for a couple years or three years or something, which is a little bit more than Joe Sack is probably willing to spend. He's probably the highest number that I would be willing that I would see that Joe Sackick would give a number to. Um, but other than him, I could see Sackick looking at some lesser names, like someone like Andreas Athanasiu for a low number. I can see him looking at Chris Tierney for a low number. I could see him looking at Colin White, who was just bought out by the Ottawa Senators, is looking to reinvigorate his career. Does that sound familiar? It sure as hell does, because the last time the Avalanche signed a player less than the age of 25 to a contract after he was bought out was Val Nichushkin. So... And just like Val Nichushkin, Colin White was a former first-round draft pick. He was drafted in that 2015 draft, I think 13th overall by the Ottawa Senators. So those are some of the names on forward that I could see the Avalanche looking at. On then Another name that I could see I'm looking at as a UFA is Paul Stastny, and that's if Darren Helm retires. You look at Paul Stastny, who spends his summers in Denver, and say, hey, come be our fourth-line center. We know you like it here. Stastny doesn't have the speed, but he's got the IQ. And then on defense... A player that I could see playing a bigger role if the Oilers are silly enough to not re-sign him, and he's probably going to demand a little bit more money than like a million or two, is Brett Kulak. That's the kind of guy that you can see replacing Josh Manson. And uh, he's a defenseman that was kind of floating under the radar with the Canadians, and then he gets traded to the Oilers and had a hell of a playoff run with them. So um, quite a few bargain buys available on the UFA market. And then obviously the bigger names, Gino Malkin would be such a... Such a treat with the Avs. Yeah, I think the those big name or those smaller names are important because there's some juggling that has to be done, right? I mean, he, Joe Sackick has to jump through some hoops to hopefully bring back as many guys as possible and still, you know, bring in some new guys to help make the team as good as it can be and make another run at the Stanley Cup. So it's a it's going to be interesting the way to see the way these next couple weeks shake out and uh, free agency, of course, in about eight days. So. Um, Excited for it. Excited for it. Big splashes happening. Yeah. I mean, I would assume that if Kadri walks, you're going to sign someone to replace him rather than just slot in new hooker comfort on the second line spot. I would assume Nachushkin's going to resign. I would assume Lekkinen being an RFA is going to resign. So your top six is what it is. It's a centerman, Lekkinen, Nachushkin, and then the top three guys, Gabe, Miko, and Nate. But then your third line, you got comfort, you got new hook. And then who's the third guy? Are you going to go comfort, new hook, and Abe Kubel? Or is Abe Kubel going to be on the third, on the fourth line? So I feel like they do need one more forward that you know has a little bit of a spark offensively. And given the fact that Burakovsky is going to walk, you you got to look at some other options. Uh, I know it's a shot in the dark, but this is the guy I've been saying for a couple weeks Who's now, that? Philip Forsberg. I just think there's always <laughs> been a, a lot of uh, interest from Colorado around Philip Forsberg, and um, I, you know I know he plays left wing, doesn't help your center void, but um, obviously brings a lot of offense yeah you you just the money is you you bring in Forsberg you're trading JT Comfort and Samuel Gerard all right it's the money they, they were looking at Forsberg as a replacement for Landeskog if he walked that was something that Jeff Merrick confirmed but Landeskog obviously stayed and for good reason rain on my parade I'm still holding out hope <laughs> there's a chance there's a chance um other than that any other ones you want to get out there theories names that uh you might want to throw at the wall uh the other guys that I want to throw at the wall are, are trade targets. Um, top of the list, Kemper walks. You don't sign Flurry. This is a guy that I mentioned last week. Semyon Varlamov comes to me as the 
easiest choice to do what you did with Kemper. I'm not saying pay another first and a defensive prospect like Timmins, but one year, $5 million, evergreen goalie. Keep doing the same thing until hopefully Eustace Annan is ready. Uh, a couple of forwards on the market that I would really like the Avalanche to look at. These, This one is, would be a bargain buy. Yessi Poliarvi, it looks like the Oilers might be getting rid of him. Uh, they have to choose between him and Kyler Yamamoto for some reason because they're obviously paying Duncan Keith $5 million. Um, Poliarvi's the kind of guy that, first of all, he played with Lekkanen and Rantanen. He's another one of those Finns. Would be great for the Global Series. Um, and as Miko Rantanen said... When the Avalanche acquired Lekkanen, uh, I told Joe to trade for more Finns. So maybe he'll tell Joe to trade for more Finns again and bring in Jesse Pugliarvi. So that was someone that I could see as a bargain buy. Another name is someone we talked about at the trade deadline was Lawson Kraus. That's that blue-collar type of player that I could see playing on that third line with Comfer and Newhook. That would be a lot of fun. And then a bigger name, and this one would have to include probably Sam Gerrard and some kind of a deal going the other way, is Josh Anderson, who's under team control at $5.5 for, I think, five more years. Um, he's the kind of forward that you can have kind of slotted into your top six, top nine for many, many years. So a uh, lot of options here for the Avalanche. But uh, the two big ones on the trade market that stick out to me are Yesse Poliarvi, and if Kemper walks, Semyon Varlamov, and then Lawson Kraus being the third guy. Those are wild, wild scenarios, wild hypotheticals to think about, but we'll see how all of it unfolds. It's, it's silly season. Let's get silly. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, yeah, I think that's a good place to uh, put an end to this podcast, off-season podcast, but we're going regular season length on you. So thanks for hanging out with us. Any uh, final thoughts, Arif, before we get out of here for the night? I got men's league. Let's go see if I could continue my point-per-game pace as a forward nowadays. <laughs> Love it. Um, no final thoughts from me. Just uh, enjoy the draft and let's prepare for a wild week ahead. I think Joe Sack is going to make a lot of moves and for good reason. Yeah, we'll be back Sunday as we always are to uh, recap the draft and I guess look ahead at, I, some, I do at some, more, say, some more theories. I do I do want to say two names to uh, remember that exist are Ben Myers and Lucas Sedlak. Lucas Sedlak being the guy that the Avalanche... Uh, signed during their playoff run and Ben, ben Myers, Myers yep. being a be, Ben Myers being a guy who's a first round talent that uh, the Avalanche got for free that uh, I keep forgetting about so that's a guy that shit he might make his way into your top six eventually absolutely absolutely and of course you know as the Hockey Mountain High podcast as we end every podcast saying uh, to make hockey for everyone we have to acknowledge the hiring of Mike Greer to the San Jose Sharks Love GM it. position right yep. awesome move Awesome direction the NHL is heading in. A lot of women getting hired in strong positions as well, both in the AHL and NHL. So definitely something we got to tip our hat to here. Yep. Jessica Campbell was hired as the AHL's first female assistant coach for the Seattle Thunder, for the Seattle Thunderbirds, the uh, Seattle Krakens minor league team, the Coachella Valley, Valley Firebirds. So shout out to Jessica Campbell as well. We're seeing a lot of hirings in the front office among women as well. But Mike Rear hails from Detroit, Michigan, former NHLer that played almost a thousand games. Uh, his brother is a general manager of the Miami Dolphins. He is not the general manager of the San Jose Sharks, and I love it. Cool stuff going on, cool stuff. So that being said, thanks everybody for joining us on this other edition of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast. Don't forget about our sponsors, both at Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone, and we out you.